You're listening to a sermon preached at First Baptist Church in Farwell, Texas. We are committed to loving God, loving people, and going into the world to share the gospel. We pray you find this message both challenging and encouraging. I want to invite you, uh, not to the book of Acts, I want to invite you to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1. The reason we're not going to be in Acts is because uh, I, want to, I want to hold off, God willing, I want us to hold off one week before we get to Acts chapter 8. Because in Acts chapter 8, there is a challenge that I believe um, we need to look at 2 Timothy chapter 1 before we are challenged with Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8 challenges us. Every single one of us as Christians, if we, if we call ourselves a child of God, Acts chapter 8 is challenging us to be everyday evangelists. Every one of us, not just the pastor, not just the youth pastor and the worship leader, for every single one, every single person that calls ourselves a child of God, Acts chapter 8 says this, we are called to go out and to evangelize those that we spend, that God has placed us around in our circle of influences. And I I believe there is something that keeps us from doing that. It's not a desire. I think we all want to do that. There There is a desire for us. We want to do that, but there is something that keeps us from doing that and that something is called fear there are many reasons why people don't share their faith and you can put them underneath almost every single one my own uh, reasons why I don't share my faith as much as I should and and the reasons I've heard other people talk about not wanting to share their faith some people never in their entire lifetime never sharing their faith with anybody and, and you could put those underneath an umbrella category that fear uh, is, 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 the, is the ultimate category. For some reason, there's, it all really boils down to fear. I believe quite possibly one of the greatest distractors to our Christian faith is fear. One of the greatest distractors to our Christian faith is fear. Fear keeps us from growing, uh, from asking the questions that would help us to grow in our relationship with Christ. Fear keeps us from sharing our faith with people who desperately need to hear. Fear keeps us from going on mission to share with people who have never heard the gospel. And just fear, it is one of the greatest distractors of our faith. Over 3,000 adults were polled and asked what were their greatest fears. Here's the top 10. They're on the screen. You've probably seen these before, but look at number one is public speaking. That is the greatest fear of most adults, public speaking. Well, to share your faith, you have to do something. You have to speak. And oftentimes it is in public, so you can see that even sharing your faith would be up there with number one, heights. Height. For some people, heights is the second greatest fear. Insects, financial problems, or deep water. Maybe that has to do with drowning, deep water, sickness, death, flying. I don't understand this last one. Dogs. Cats should be there. Without any question, cats should be number 10. Oh, anybody would fear a dog. Public speaking, though, the top 10 fears of most Americans, over 3,000 people polled, number one was public speaking. 
I believe that fear is not only distracting to our faith, but fear is destructive to our faith. Let me give you two reasons why. I believe it's not only distracting to our faith, but it is destructive to our faith. The number one reason is this. Fear breeds more fear. Fear breeds more fear. Seldom do we do the things we fear. So we seldom discover whether or not our projection of disaster was accurate. So seldom breed, or, 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 or fear breeds more fear. In fact, when we don't do the thing that we are afraid of, we breathe a sigh of relief as if the thing we were fearful really happened. It's like we don't do it. We're like, whew, that was close. I got awfully close to that dog in it. Ah. Fear breeds more fear. The second reason I believe fear is not only distracting, but it is destructive, is fear leads to inaction. Fear leads to inaction. It causes us to be paralyzed. Listen to this quote by the former president, John F. Kennedy. Listen to what he says. There are risks and costs to a program of action. But there are far less, they are far less than the long-range risks and costs of comfortable inaction. You see that? There are risks and costs to a program of action. No doubt, he's not discounting those. But they are far less than the long-range risks and costs of comfortable inaction. I've often said this, that fear is the fuel to procrastination. You want to find the cause to to your procrastination? It is fear. Fear fuels procrastination. And listen, procrastination will always cost you. Procrastination will cost you your health. Procrastination will cost you your joy. Procrastination will cost you your, your peace. Procrastination will always cause you to be in a rush, in a hurry, and miss out on the joys of life. Listen, procrastination will always cost you and fear is the fuel of procrastination. Listen, not only is fear distracting, it is destructive. But listen to this, fear has a debilitating, fear has a debilitating life cycle. Follow along with me on this life cycle. You ready? There, the, fear breeds lack of experience, all right? So fear breeds lack of experience. Lack of experience breeds ignorance. And ignorance breeds more fear. Now follow this this little cycle as it goes around. Fear breeds lack of experience. Lack of experience breeds ignorance. Ignorance breeds fear. And fear breeds lack of experience. It gets on this crazy life cycle that is very hard for us to ever get off of. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, says this. For God has not given us. Listen, fear does not 
come from God. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, a spirit of cowardness, a, a spirit of timidity. Some of your translations will use that phrase, timidity. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power and sound judgment. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power and sound judgment. He has given us a spirit of power and sound judgment. He hasn't given us a spirit of fear. Look at verse 8. Paul is writing to his, what, we, what he calls his son in the faith. This, this one that he has discipled and he has raised up and he has sent out. Listen to what he says. So don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or, or of me, his prisoner. Instead, share in the suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God. So he's so, saying, listen, God's not given you a fear, spirit of fear, Timothy. I know that you're struggling with some fear, but listen, that does not come from God. And if it isn't coming from God, who is it coming from? It's coming from Satan. So don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me as prisoner. Instead, share in the suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God. Listen, if I had to pick two major overarching areas that modern Christians struggle with, two overarching areas that cause Christians to be inactive in advancing the spread of the gospel, it would be this. Number one, we have been lulled into believing this world we live in is our home. We have slowly, but methodically, consistently, been lulled into believing that this world is our home. Listen, this world being our home makes about as much sense as hanging pictures in a porta potty. You don't, you don't do that, do you? What do you do in a porta potty? You get in, you do whatever you got to do, and you get out and you try to touch as little as possible, right? That's this, that's this world, but yet we are finding ourselves comfortable in this world like this is our home. Listen, the lie of Satan, which brings fear to the forefront of our lives, is you better get all you can get because this is as good as it gets. You better get all you can get because this is as good as it gets. So, we, so we just, we've been lulled into believing that this world is our home. We have forgotten that we have been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ and our eternity is with Him in heaven. We are aliens in this world. Second reason I believe that we have been moved into inactivity is we have been conditioned to believe that our worth or our identity is based on your status. We have been conditioned to believe that our worth or our identity is based on our status, on our ability to excel in business or in sports. And listen, there's nothing wrong with excelling in whatever you are putting your hand to, but listen, your identity is not in that. We've been conditioned to believe that our worth or our identity is in our reputation or in our, our money. 
And what's funny, when, when, we were, when we were children, it's in how well our parents are doing. But now that we're parents, it's like how well our children are doing. We've been conditioned to believe that our worth is based. Our identity is based on all of that. Listen, there is a direct correlation between the source of your identity and the peace in your heart. Remember that statement. There is a direct correlation between the source of your identity and the peace that is in your heart. When my identity is in Christ, in Christ alone, listen, I can pursue excellence as a testimony to Christ. I can pursue character over reputation. Listen, when my identity is in Christ, I can pursue more money knowing that it is a tool for the advancement of the gospel. It is not some kind of symbol of my identity. Listen, Satan wants Christians to get so focused on the world, we get consumed with the worries of the world. And fear breeds more fear. And it leads to an action for the gospel. Take the apostles, for instance. After everything that they had experienced, after seeing all of the miracles, after watching Jesus feed 5,000 with a boy's sack lunch, just a few hours later, they are sitting in the, in the middle of the Sea of Galilee with leftovers, 12 baskets of leftovers in the bottom of the boat. Jesus is asleep and there is a storm brewing and they are afraid for their life. We've seen miracle after miracle. They have heard Jesus saying that He is going to rise. He is going to come back. Yet after His crucifixion, where do we find them? We find them hid out in the upper room, afraid for their life. After that, leaving the faith, just, just checking out, going back to their old way of life, rejecting their knowledge of Jesus Christ. And this morning, I want you to know that the gospel of Jesus Christ drives out fear. That's what we must be reminded before we can get into Acts and see that, listen, the gospel is calling all of us to be everyday evangelists. The pastor, not just on Sunday morning when he preaches, but on Monday morning, Tuesday morning, every single one of us to be everyday evangelists. And I want us to know that the gospel of Jesus Christ drives out fear. Before the first resurrection morning, and Jesus' ascension 40 days later to be seated at the right hand of God, Jesus appears, the Bible tells us, to over 500 people. Imagine for a moment if you were one of the 500 who saw Jesus after he had been raised for the dead. Just kind of put yourself in that place for a moment. You're looking at Jesus. You see the holes in his hand, the holes in his feet. You see the hole in his side. You're looking at his eyes and you see life. You're one of the 500. And you've, you've just heard him speak and now he has ascended into heaven. And your eyes are just beginning to recover from the sight of his glory and his power. What's the first thing on your heart? What do you say? Do you immediately say to those that you spend time with, well, I'm going to have to keep a lid on this. 
Listen, we're not really, it's not really good for us to talk about religion in, 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 in the community. It's not really good to talk about, about this in, in, in public. Listen, my word, my neighbors, my, 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 uh, they're, they're of a different persuasion. My co-workers are of, are of a different religion. I wouldn't want to do anything to harm the social cooperation. I have to make sure this doesn't get around. No, listen, none of us would do that. Listen, if we saw Jesus face to face after He has been crucified, buried, and resurrected, we couldn't possibly talk like that. We couldn't possibly think that way. Listen, the Christian church is not some result of planning meeting, of of a bunch of people getting together and putting together some kind of development program. The Christian church was birthed out of fearless courage with a tsunami of joy during a flood of persecution. Let me say that again. The Christian church was birthed out of fearless courage with a tsunami of joy during a flood of persecution. That's how the church was birthed. Go look and see through the, we've just been studying it through this historical account of the church through, through Acts. Go and read the Gospels again. Look at the letters that Paul has written. Read all about it in the New Testament. Despite heavy persecution, the message of Jesus Christ was shared and the church was birthed. And thank God it was. We are standing on their shoulders today. Not just the shoulders of those who, who started this church some 60 Five, sixty-six, sixty-seven years ago. Listen, even on, on theirs. And my question is this. Will people be standing on our shoulders 60 years from now because of the spread of the gospel that we've been faithful to share? I'm thankful. Thankful for those who have gone before us. I'm thankful for the vacation Bible school teachers who taught me, vacation, taught me the, God's word during vacation Bible school. I'm thankful for Sunday school teachers who taught me God's word during Sunday school. Thankful for the preachers who preach the gospel. I'm thankful for youth camp leaders who, who took me to youth. All of that. I'm so thankful that they invested in doing that for my sake. I'm thankful for the people who shared the gospel with me. And I want somebody years from now being, saying, man, I'm thankful. First Baptist Church Farwell was faithful. To not only do that inside the corporate body of the church, but outside in the community. Someone will say, well, maybe, you know, maybe if I would have seen Jesus, like you're talking about, maybe if I would have seen the holes in his hands and hole in his side and life in his eyes, oh, I would have been bold like that as well. Listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 20, verse 29. Because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. That's you and me, church family. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. That's us. We are blessed because we we haven't seen, but yet we are trusting the gospel, we're believing the gospel, and we are bold in sharing our faith. Listen, what changed the disciples? What changed the apostles from being these upper room hideouts to martyrs for their faith? Because that's what we see, right? Last week we looked at Stephen. What, what changed in their life? The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the gospel. Listen, they were empowered to be who God called them to be. 
That's it. They were empowered. Just like you and I, we have been empowered with the Holy Spirit to be faithful teachers, to be faithful in, 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 our, in our spread of the gospel, our willingness and our, our, our ability to be able to spread the gospel. The same Holy Spirit that was poured out on the first Christians has been poured out on you and I. They didn't get more of it than we got. The same. So go back. Listen to what Paul says to Timothy. Says to Timothy. 2 Timothy, let's go back and let's start in verse 6. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. Look at what he says to him. Here's, here's Timothy. Here's, there's no doubt. Timothy, man, Timothy's been faithful in, in helping plant these churches and helping disciple these new Christians, helping share the gospel. But he's getting exhausted. He is getting tired. He is getting worn down by the battle. And maybe some fear is beginning to creep. Not maybe, I know there is, or Paul wouldn't have said it to him. But just like us, he's kind of, as, as, as Logan was talking about others earlier, there's kind of maybe a dry season beginning to, to creep up in Timothy's life. And listen to what Paul says. His last letter that we have, that, we, that is known, 2 Timothy chapter 1. Listen to what he says to Timothy, but ultimately to us. Therefore, I remind you, Timothy, to rekindle the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands rekindle here's what here's what paul is saying i I want you to fan into flame i want you to i want you to take those coals that are still there i want you to fan those into flame i want you to spring into life you've all seen you've all been sitting around a a a fire or camp campfire and you've seen as as the coals begin to as, as the embers begin to get lower and you just you stoke it or you or you begin to you begin to fan the flame and it, it and it reignites and that's what that's what Paul is saying to Timothy rekindle the gift of God that is in you Paul is giving this command to Timothy because his zeal his passion his enthusiasm for the Lord was starting to wear down a little rekindle Timothy brothers and sisters in Christ be reminded of the gospel that you were dead and now you are alive because of something you have done. No, not whatsoever. Because of what Jesus Christ has done in your life. Rekindle, Timothy. Brothers and sisters in Christ, rekindle. Rekindle a desire for fervent prayer. Rekindle a desire for obedience to God's Word. Paul is not saying that that Timothy is losing his faith. He's not saying to us that we might be able to lose our faith. That's impossible. But we know there are times in our lives when the fire for our Lord is starting to die down. And many times, it's due to just being spiritually empty. Our spiritual gas tank is on empty. Paul is saying to us, fan into flame. Keep ablaze the gift of God. Oh, the gift, the wages of sin is death. You, you, we all deserve death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Listen, allow God's Word to wash over you. Spend time with God in prayer, praying and, and, and listening. Spending time with other brothers and sisters in Christ. This is how the apostle, or this is how King David says it when he when he's struggling as he is calling back out to God in search for a revival. Psalm fifty one ten. God create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. The message version says it like this: Create a Genesis week in my life. 
He's saying, go, go, God, in my life, just start over. Renew this steadfast spirit in me. Listen, as we do these things, oh, the flame that burned in our heart at one time for the gospel. The flame that burned in our heart at one time to share with somebody what Jesus Christ had done, has done in our heart. Oh, that flame will begin to burn afresh and anew. He says in verse 7, for God's not given us a spirit of fear, but He has given us one of power. What does that mean? One of power. He's given us the ability to do what God's called us to do. Listen, we're never asked to do, we are never asked to do what God will not equip us to be successful at doing. He's given us the power to be obedient. He's given us a spirit of love. He's given us the ability to love Him first. He's given us the ability to love others, even those that, that, we, that are hard to love. He's given us that ability to love them. Listen, love is the distinguishing quality of Christians. John chapter 13 says this, that we are known as Christians by our love. They will know we are Christians by our love. He's given us a spirit of love, but He's also given us a spirit of sound judgment. He has given us the ability to think sen- sensibly in every and all situation. Listen, listen, the gospel drives out fear. He has given us the ability. What Acts chapter 8, and God willing, we'll get there next week. What Acts chapter 8 is going to challenge us to do, God has given us the ability to do. Even through the fear. Listen, the marvelous fact is this. The the Timothys in this church, the Timothys in our community make perfect tools for the Spirit's power when they turn to Christ, when they've been empowered by Christ. Listen to this quote by Oswald Chambers. I love this quote. Because this, this is, we think that God can't use us because of our past. We think that God can't use us because of our inabilities. Listen to this quote by Oswald Chambers. God can achieve His purpose either through the absence of human power and resources or the abandonment of reliance on, him, on them. All through history, God has chosen and used nobodies because their unusual dependence on Him made possible the unique display of His power and grace. He chose and used somebodies only when they renounced dependence on their natural abilities and resources. Oh, what a powerful statement. I like the way Rick Warren says it. He says this, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody and His name is Jesus. Listen, God can use every single one of us when we're willing when we're willing to lay down our fears when we're willing to say i i know, I know god that when we're willing to say god I, I i know i don't have what it takes but i know through your power you can give me what it takes i'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody and his name is jesus verse 8 he says so don't be ashamed Listen, fear leads to inaction. 
Don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or me of His prisoner. Instead, instead of being ashamed, listen to what Paul says, share in the suffering for the gospel. Listen, when Christians suffer, they suffer with Christ. All throughout Scripture we see that. How can we do that? Don't be ashamed. How? By relying on the power of God. That's how. Don't be ashamed. How? By relying on the power of God. The strength of God. The ability of God. Literally, that that Greek word, the power of God, is the dunamis, the dynamite of God. And look, verse 9 gives us just a, a quick glimpse of His power. He saved us. He took a dead person, you and I, if we're children of God, He he saved us. He he took death and He breathed life. That's pretty powerful. He saved us. He called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which is given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Oh, listen, my overarching message this morning is don't let fear distract you. Don't let fear derail you. Don't let fear keep you from experiencing what God has for you. Oh, listen, there is so much. There is so much that we can see. We can see the power of God working through every single member in this church if we just wouldn't let fear overwhelm us and derail us from what He has for us. Thank you for listening to this sermon. If you'd like more information about our church or have any questions regarding the sermon you just heard, we would love to hear from you. You can visit our website at www.fbcfarwell.org or send an email to info at fbcfarwell.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter by searching FBC Farwell. It is our prayer that the sermon you listened to was equally challenging and edifying to your walk with Christ. Thank you again for listening and have a blessed week.